welcome to a brand new episode of Beyond Disabilities. This time we're looking at ADHD, uh, specifically in women, where we're going to draw the attention to the deficit of the hyperactivity disorder in women. So I'd like to introduce you to the three, uh, to the two wonderful guests we have. First of all, we have Sophie, one of the co-hosts and founders of Girls Interrupting, which looks at dyspraxia specifically in women. And we also have Luke, who's very creative. She is a lover of the band Dream State. Uh, she's not been medically diagnosed with ADHD. I think that's right. Uh, that's correct. However, I've got things to add later. So I'll tell you. Oh, but she's got things to add later. And she's very good at crocheting jellyfish. Thank you. Another for, thing. Thank you for coming onto the. You've thrown me now. But thank you for coming <laughs> onto the podcast. Please, can you introduce yourself? Lou, can you go first? Okay, because you asked so nicely. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Lou. Um, as James said, I'm a very, very creative person. Um, I consider myself an artist and also a writer. Um, I sketch, paint, crochet. I don't just crochet jellyfish. Um, <laughs> it's just a specialty of mine. Um, I write poetry and I go to open mics. Um, Dream State are my hyperfixation. Um, I've been to see them probably nearly 80 times now in the last eight years. Um, so, yeah. Um, also, I'm a vegan. Um, and that's another one of my hyperfixations. I absolutely love animals and I like to cook. Um, and since being a vegan, I've just gotten better and better at it. So, yeah. Go on, Tiff. <laughs> I don't Thank you, Lou. So, please, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> Such a weird one to answer that question. I I do not have as much of a strong identity as as the <laughs> as you, Lou. Sorry, you do. I, You've got amazing I, things. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> um, yeah, I, my name's Sophie. I'm 32. I run a little doggy daycare. I'm also a writer and campaigner for neurodivergence in women um, and a digital creator on that front. I'm also creative, but I wouldn't say that I'm skilled. I just love to um, create things and um, I have infinite hyperfixations and I refuse to confess to any of them, apart from Britney Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Dogs as well, probably? Yeah, I mean, I think the dogs have have ruined that obsession by... Oh, no. (laughs) Ruined it. They've given me to an early grave. <laughs> oh, bless! I'm joking. I love them. I love them. <laughs> I do sympathise with you on the dog front. Like my my two coder, especially. He he tests my patient all the time, and he knows he can get away with it. <laughs> they do because you love him. <laughs> wouldn't have it any any other way. So, no. you two, so you two have never met, but there's one thing that unites you, and that you or. One of you has ADHD. One of you is very certain that she is neurodivergent and possibly mm. ADHD. So can each of you describe what is ADHD to you and how it affects you on a daily basis? Do you want to go first? Since you are diagnosed and I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert and I and I grapple with the answer that, to that question every day. Um mm-hmm. By definition, I guess it, it stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, a neuro, neurodevelopmental condition that impacts things like executive function, emotional regulation, concentration, impulsivity, among many other things. And um, how it impacts me in everyday life again is hard to put 
into a sentence. Um, mm. It's the the inability to moderate or regulate anything, which obviously makes balancing all areas of my life really difficult. Um, it involves having terrible concentration, but it also involves having a destructive amount of concentration that we have no control over. And that's worse for me. Um, it feels like there is always someone hijacking your controls, like, you know, in that film, Inside Out, the Disney film. <laughs> Love that. But not, not emotional. Different people, like a, a naughty toddler, a lazy teenager, a rigid old lady. Some, sometimes it's me, but I have to be responsible for them all. Uh, mm. you do, yeah, I guess that's, that's how I would sum it up for me. <laughs> For me, um, it's hard to describe it because Sophie described it so well. Um, but it, it's something I only just came to a realization, like I realized what it was and whether it was in women, like a couple of years ago. Because um, a friend told me that she had been diagnosed with it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly like me." Um, and it, how it affects me every day is very different on different days because I've some days I'm having a really really good day um a lot of days recently I'm having really really bad days um and it also there's obstacles in the fact that people don't really understand it especially in women um so like family members and stuff don't seem to grasp how much it affects me because they think I'm making it up half the time. However, I just finished therapy. She emailed me yesterday saying, if you want to go down the diagnosis route again, I can give you a lot of support because I've done 26 sessions with you um, and have like all these notes on you. So that might be more effective in me trying to contest it or pursue it again. So, yeah. Oh, that's really um, could I ask as well when you said contest it have they have they tried to say that you don't yeah so basically I went down because I'm in Wales I don't know where you're from are you in Wales as well Wales yeah <laughs> okay so I was in Cardiff um when I was seeking it I started in November 2022 um and then I think by when did I tell you James that they sent me that letter was Ooh. it like I'm gonna I've got uh September in my head. Sept it might have been September at 23. Um I had done all of the questionnaires, including the two big bulky ones. My mum did a questionnaire as well, and they basically were like, You didn't struggle enough academically as a child, so we're not gonna test you. That's ridiculous. Horrendous. <laughs> I mean, neither did I. I mean it's yeah. very it's very um it's, I mean, I don't know the stats, but I, I believe that it's quite common for people to be academically gifted in certain areas. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily academically, but I would say that people that are neurodivergent, are they're not middle grounders. No. They have an area in which they are exceptional. And yeah. so that's not proof that you don't have it. No, exactly. That's ironically they still gave me a little leaflet in the letter being like oh here's support for adult adhd and i was like but you just told me i didn't have it wow what what, what they're doing is they're trying to they're trying to get these waiting lists down that's yeah. what 
know, and and what they're doing is they're probably trying to find the people that they think are going to be okay. Whereas yeah. what they don't understand about well-being is just because you've had a good education doesn't guarantee that you're going to cope with life. Exactly. But, exactly. Not at all. It's like I agree with both what you're saying. Like the reason I've invested in well, invested in most like disability things, but but especially with ADHD. My brother's got ADHD and like both of you, he did not struggle academically at all. It was more the sort of socialization and like and the lack of concentration and mm. then fluctuate into like being hyper focused. Like it's just because yeah. you're not just because you struggle academically at school does not mean that really you're you don't have ADHD and I'd definitely yeah. do that and I'd definitely send you a copy of this if this will help <laughs> I'm not uh, a medical professional yeah. but you know all the help. anything else really yeah no, don't be disheartened because no. it's basically it's the time where they're pushing back because of yeah them. it's like you know, it's almost like a bit of a weird war where it's like they know that there's too many people with it for yeah. them best because they don't mm-hmm. have – not that they don't have the funds. That's not where – they've just got rid of the disability yeah. representative in Parliament. So that's not where they're putting their money. So mm. they don't – they're not going to say that everyone that knows they've got it have got it because they can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just so disappointing. It's it's just a really bad time, isn't it? So, mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's awful. It's okay. Yeah. You'll get a spot. You will get that diagnosis one day. I hope so. I'm gonna, I got told um, by a friend of mine that because she was refused to die, um, an assessment for something else or a diagnosis for something else um, to go to MIND to contest it and they'll support you. So when I eventually make it back to Cardiff, whenever that will be, I will try again. <laughs> then don't give up. Absolutely not. Because like just from knowing you, like Lou, I like from me and knowing like my brother's traits of ADHD, I know they're not prevalent in everyone and uh, he's male, but I think there's a very good chance you've got ADHD. <laughs> Literally every neurodivergent friend I have, yeah. which is the majority of my friends, have said that I must have it. So you've got something. <laughs> yeah. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Absolutely. Mm. So Sophie, can you explain like when you were first diagnosed, the process of how you were diagnosed and your family's reactions and emotions when you were diagnosed? Yeah. I think it's high. To what Lou was saying there about pushback when people have when people go in having done their own research and you know they understand themselves and um, that can actually result in more pushback than when you go in there and you genuinely have no idea what's wrong with you because then they're not resisting your prior knowledge so um I was diagnosed when I was 27 and I had no idea that that was going to happen I had absolutely no clue that they were going to turn around and and say that to me. Um, I'd returned home from living in Manchester in quite an awful way, mentally, physically, financially. And I'd spent a decade being extremely destructive in in all areas of my life, really. So I went through the GP and a mental health nurse, primarily because of the referrals, because of their concern for my immediate well-being. And I think that there was suspected bipolar on my notes um 
and I think I was fast tracked due to my 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 actual state. Um, yeah. Without me having a clue, the psychiatrist informed me that he suspected ADHD, and I was asked to return with my parents for an assessment a few months later, where I was diagnosed and prescribed medication. And you know that it absolutely changed my life. It was a very emotional time, but the general consensus among everyone was, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to be like that for me. Oh, <laughs> they absolutely will. <laughs> they will when you get that letter. <laughs> Everything will just fit into place. It's sad that people need a professional to confirm what you already know. And mm. that's really I know it is really sad because uh, there's lots of undiagnosed, like neurodivergent people in particular, like whether it's ADHD or autism or any, I think a lot of hidden disabilities that people know and 100% certain in themselves, but can't access any support until they get that little bit of paper that says, oh, yes, you got a diagnosis. To which are like, yeah. no, really. <laughs> exactly. So unfair. Yeah. So I know you've touched on it a little bit, but I know you've not been medically diagnosed, but could you explain the difficulties you've had being officially diagnosed and why you think you specifically have ADHD? Um, so yeah, like like I said, the um I I went through like I went through the GP as well. Um, and I got the questionnaire and from the beginning it wasn't taken very seriously and um, when I did my first initial questionnaire they lost it I had to get another one they referred me to a different doctor which meant I had to answer all my questions verbally again yeah. then they emailed me saying oh, I'm sorry we need to do another evidence collect can you please provide like all the information that's possible and um, that is like proof that you might have it so I had to go through like as many drawers and wardrobes and cupboards as possible to see if I could get any old school notes um any old things I had to scroll back through traumatic messages on messenger and screenshot them to prove that I'd been in really really terrible situations that might have indicated it um which was really triggering um and and then half of that didn't even send to the person who was collecting it. Um, I think I sent her about a 20-paragraph email um, <laughs> just telling her my life story. Um, what you need and to then do. they sent me the big bulky questionnaire um, about, like... The, the to go into specifics and the one that you've got to give to, like, somebody else who knows you. So my mum had to do it. Um, and then I sent those off and I was waiting ages and I phoned them, kept chasing them up, like, hey, do you know how long it's going to be the, uh, for them to call me into for an assessment? And they were like, oh, we, we've only just got a new medic. So um, it's going to be in like he's going to probably take three weeks to screen it. Um, and, <laughs> and then I get the letter saying we we don't think that you have the traits of ADHD and therefore we're not going to assess you. And I just lost the plot after that a little bit. Um, but I've like also always struggled with anxiety and I'm on medication for that, like antidepressants. Um, and honestly, I don't know if it's doing anything. I've been on it since 2019. And I was saying to my um, old therapist, now old therapist, yes, no, yesterday, day before yesterday, um, that, I know it keeps me at like 
it keeps me kind of leveled. And I know that when I'm in a scenario where things are really stressful, my symptoms get worse. Um, and I know it's not the medication not working. It's the fact that my life's really terrible. And then when it goes back to a nice medium, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if that's just the question probably. <laughs> it's really interesting what you said there about being prescribed, you know, medication for your mental health because yeah. it's common, especially in women, that they will be diagnosed with a mental health issue yeah. or condition. I was also prescribed antidepressants for a decade from the age of 18. Oh my God. To when I was diagnosed. And, you know, as you've just described there, it, when I was in the ADHD triggering situation, yeah. It's not it's it's not anxiety in the same way, is no. it? It's not impacting the same areas. Mm-hmm. So, so it's easier to explain to neurotypical people. Yes, it's anxiety. It is yeah. not the same as, yeah. as anxiety. It doesn't even have the mm. same adrenaline, physical, um, like an overstimulation. Yeah. Thing and so when people say with CBT or what's the thought, there is yeah. no. Th- There's either no thoughts or too many. <laughs> CBT your way out of that type of anxiety. Mm. So yeah, you know it's really common for that to happen to people, and it happened to me. And it's really dangerous that they just medicate people. And yeah. young people should be asked these questions yeah. about. No, uh, screening for neurodivergence anyway before yeah. they get prescribed mental health medication. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Completely agree. And I'm sorry both of you have been through both that. Sounds awful. Like, it's just, that's why, like, one reason I do the podcast to try and get things changed. Like, yeah. It's just ridiculous. Uh, like, my brother was on ADHD medication. He was diagnosed, luckily, when he was two. He was on it right the way through until uh, he was 18 when he started college. Uh, and that's because he was on an armed forces college, uh, armed forces like uh, college uh, diploma thingy, Bob, uh, and okay. yeah, they wouldn't allow him on it with ADHD medication. Mm. He was a completely Bye. different person for the better after he came off the medication. Like, honestly, oh. he was himself. He, because uh, like, he was very. I know this is good. He was very robotic when he was on the medication, and I know he won't mind me talking about it. But uh, but now he's like a much happier person in himself. Like he's got much more of a personality than he did for the however many years he was on ADHD. Like yes, they managed to get him through school, but he just wasn't a like he wasn't himself. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's um the, the problem with medication um and when people with ADHD are uh, diagnosed and prescribed them, they're not. And I'm, I'm not talking about every psychiatrist now, but I'm saying that generally they don't personalize somebody's treatment. So, no. they, you know, like some medications do different things to different people with different types of ADHD. Yeah. So, you know, I got put on Ritalin. It wasn't explained to me how that was going to impact me, but there was no discussion about the different no. types of medication and how those medications could potentially impact me and that's the problem you know people will be put on a medication and they won't they've got options haven't they yeah. well they might they might actually not have options but they should <laughs> yeah. yeah 
No, I definitely know. But yeah, there should be a, like a discussion with everyone rather than just here's some medication, take it and tell them how's it going to affect uh, the uh, like how the medication going to affect them. Like I, I know you you know Lou, but with my like recently being on antidepressants, like I made sure to do that research because they wanted to put me on yeah. straight away. I was like, no, I don't want to. I've no, these have got this yeah. side effect. I've talked to loads of different. Like admittedly, it could everybody's different, but there's more negative people who have been on it uh, that I spoke to that uh, I didn't think it would be beneficial to me and yeah I'm glad I did the research mm. we have to don't we absolutely because if we don't yeah. nobody's going to tell us no. <laughs> so do you, do you think that as women it's hard to, to hard to get diagnosed with ADHD and if so why do you think that is to both of you you Lou yeah I mean I'm evidence of that I would say um because and and I think it's the fact that they're still basing all of their research off little boys who misbehave in school um and so they don't notice even young girls who are really really smart but just don't have a good time making friends yeah um or you know they're too shy or they're really really loud and they can't they can't seem to stop it or they're all daydreamy. They just, they just base it off the majority, which is the the little naughty boys in school. Um, so yeah, that's why I would say, and like even going into to like adulthood and the fact that I passed uni um, and I graduated, you know, like they're like, Oh wow, you've got a degree. You must be really smart. I'm not struggling with everything. I've just told you everything I'm struggling with. Obviously I am. Yeah. I love the fact that you just said that because I think it's um, something Barclay. I don't know if you've heard many of his speeches. He's like an ADHD, Mm. but doctors, something Barclay. Anyway, he said that ADHD is not a deficit in what we know. It Mm. isn't with what we know mm. it, is a, it is about execution of that so yeah we'll always look at you and think well you have the information so I'm not concerned about you because you're really insightful or you have a great understanding and it's like you can no matter how much we learn and no matter how much we understand that's not going to improve mm. our to execute it and that's how can they write people off for being like, oh, you talk a really good talk, so I'm not concerned. Yeah, it's also um you can w- with me, I struggle with retaining information as well. So you can talk a really good talk for a certain amount of time, <laughs> and then when you don't know that stuff anymore, they're like, but you knew all that. We thought yeah. you were fine, and I'm just like, no, like I don't remember half the stuff I learned at uni. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. And, and also it's the same with doing things like, well, you did it yesterday. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I, my room's a tip at the moment and, and sometimes I can tidy it. And then like other times all the clean washing that has been done will just sit here for a week and my mum just doesn't understand it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Laundry folding is the worst. Oh, I think that's awful. It's the worst. <laughs> no, I completely agree with what you both said. Uh, uh, more support needs to be put in place, and they need to do like a universal model, not just like you said, a, a model that's based off of like male presenting uh, like misbehavior, because that's not all the case. Like, mm. 
my brother, like, yeah, he misbehaves, but it's just that's not because of the ADHD. Uh, that's because he just likes to torture me. Um, <laughs> in my life. I also think, though, it shouldn't be a one size fits all. No. Because there are women who present completely differently to other women as well. Like, I. I think I'm combined from what I've done research wise because like I can I can be super duper hy- hyperactive like physically and internally but I can also be really really inattentive. Yes, yeah. yeah, I'm combined. Mm. So interesting. I I agree. Yeah, it, nothing is one size fit all. Just because you got a square block that fits a circle block doesn't mean the triangle is going to fit in the square. I don't know where I was going mm. with that. MG, but yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, that makes sense to me. I know. There you go. <laughs> Shapes. Oh, I've lost my question. So would you say, uh, uh, regardless of being diagnosed, do you think that your behaviours or disabilities uh, have had an impact on any friendships or any relationships? And if you had to make any adjustments to each other's behaviour, support the uh, support the other person. Oh. So, if you want to go first, yeah, yeah, you first. So, I think it's impacted all of. My- Friendships from family to romantic, professional, um, you know, teachers, everybody. I think that I would probably describe all of those relationships as unnecessarily strained by by my condition. Um, up until, you know, the last couple of years when ADHD is something that people have a, because of social media, yeah. have like more of a baseline understanding of. Um, it would just be a conflict would be quite it would be on on the horizon um anytime that I did something that was connected to a symptom and I would try and explain myself I would have this constant back and forth of well you justify yourself again you know you justify yourself again and I just became more and more reclusive and um, you know I wouldn't say that my relationships were volatile yeah. but I think that relationships would break down and even up until recently relationships have broken down and I think it's because of me feeling judged me explaining what is happening people feeling like that means I'm not sorry and me pushing them away because because you know they're not intentionally they're not intentionally rejecting me but you know we you know what's it called rejection sensitivity dysphoria yeah um not being understood all the time there's only so much you can take and if mm-hmm. i that too much from one person eventually i will just have to cut the cord i can't you can't do it yeah but what i think with that is that what you said about them thinking you're not sorry you can still be sorry because i've always been told that um oh um being sorry means you won't do it again but with this kind of condition it's bound to happen again because it's just recurring symptoms that happen all the time that you can't seem to help like you can be sorry and you can have good intentions but sometimes it will happen again and it's whether people have the patience and understanding to to handle that yeah yeah but yeah so, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> me and ADHD in relationships, my gosh. Okay, um, from primary school age, I was just not good at physical boundaries and um, good in social situations. I've been bullied multiple, multiple times um, because people always thought that I was too much. 
Um, so I spent most of school drifting from friendship group to friendship group, um, not understanding why people didn't want to know me. Um, I got to uni, um, and also because you can have very, very bad, like, kind of injustice you know, I can't remember what it's called, it's injustice something. Um, so whenever I went to uni and I saw someone doing something that I believed was wrong, I would probably be really, really loud outspoken about it. And then that would get people, deter people away from me as well. Um, and I've had to learn to just be cool with other people making their own decisions. Um, uh, I will be honest here I've been in a lot of abusive relationships and that's because I find that I could be considered gullible but I think it's because we don't understand the social um cues and everything and we don't seem to realize what is what is wrong and and so everything everyone tells us we just kind of internalize it because we've been told that our whole lives um however I've learned that the majority of my friends are neurodivergent. So that's actually really strengthened my circle and um, my relationships with my friends because then we can be like, I'm having a bad this, this, and this day. And with the more research we do on ourselves, um, the better we understand each other. But like, I've still got, um, there's still, it's still very rocky with me and like, like with my family as well. Um, I've been through a lot of stuff with that and and that's still rocky right now and yeah I just I've really really struggled with with friendships and that was the main part of what I talked about when I was doing my questionnaires that they seem to just completely overlook and I don't understand why and relationships are the biggest teller and especially when on the surface people can tell that you are fun chatty like intelligent engaging and yet you will just have like a continuous breakdown of relationships and one of the things it's everything you were saying there is just an exact mirror of my and I'm not saying that we've been through the exact same things but I I could have said your exact answer and and including relationships but you know what you said there about being gullible yeah there's an aspect of our condition that makes us gullible but there so um it because of being undiagnosed for so long people invalidating your perception of your own experience which you're correct about yeah initially telling you no it's not that it's this yeah over time you start to think that other people know better than you do and so you all look to hear what the truth is from somebody else because you've been told that your truth is wrong yeah so, so and so even no matter how many bad experiences you have where you realize that that person was damaging or abusive, you automatically meet a new person and you're like a puppy and you'll be like, oh, really? Oh, no way. And you will yeah. want will yeah. want them to hide you with what the truth is. And that's yeah. a danger point in repeating the pattern, isn't it? You assume they're going to rescue you and then they, they don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> boost though of you you know looking up to their version of the truth I mm. think enjoy yeah. that yeah that's that right. that was real heavy <laughs> <guys. okay. laughs> 
No, no, it's only good. I'm sorry you've been through that, but although I don't have ADHD, I do sort of relate to both of some of the things you were saying, like even like being autistic, like, yeah, again, I think, I think we're just, we're like, all very trusting and like we don't see something bad until it's too late, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Not something that immediately like jumps onto us, whereas other people might um, like see the red flags uh, like before. So, Moving on to something like slightly different. Have you ever been discriminated at work because of ADHD or another disability or condition? Oh, can I go first with this, please? Of course you can. <laughs> okay. So I'm out of a job right now, and I think it's entirely because of my ADHD since I realized that I probably have it. Um, lots and lots of um job rejections have come about I literally went for an interview yesterday and then they they specifically asked they were like do you have any health conditions and I'm not going to not tell them um and so I did and I don't know if that's impacted it or whether there's other things that have impacted it but um yeah like I they they know like a couple of companies I've worked for they knew full well um that I had it uh when I told them and there's just been like no support they assumed that I was just like skittish and forgetful and everything and also I overshared a whole lot um because I just didn't know how to stop and so there was a time where I was like in a complete panic situation I just injured myself and the CEO had come in like just come in and he was like you're right Louise and automatically I was just like well no this this and this this has happened and and then I got ridiculed for it the next day because apparently I shouldn't have told him any of that um and then I got let go from um another the last company I worked for um after like two months of being there because they threw me into it they threw me in the deep end with it like really really soon as soon as I started there they had all of these really high expectations but no communication whatsoever so I was just really really stressed the entire time that I was there and then it turns out what I thought had been really really hard work the CEO had thought no she's not good enough and was just like right she's out so I've been constantly discriminated in workplaces because of it Oh, that's awful. So you've been through that. And yeah, you should never just just because you sort of overshare, that's not an Im- like doesn't sort of reflect on how well you were and how like, I know how good you are at your job. Uh, uh, should never do that. Like, if anything, that's just a positive trait because it's honesty. Mm. Exactly. And another thing as well is, is that people need to just stop asking how if people are okay if they don't actually want to know why <laughs> they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They just want small talk small talk what is why is that a thing I don't know it's <laughs> but yeah Lou like um I've exactly the same experiences it makes me emotional when I hear someone else describe you know the same things I've had um about 15 jobs and um from the beginning it's it's really bizarre I don't know if you find this Lou but it's like they slowly slip into the exact same pattern it's almost like you're replaying in each job the same yeah. dynamic. Like it's all nice and hopeful at the beginning and you think everybody's nice. And then slowly it suddenly turns into the exact same nightmare and you don't understand how it's happened. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? And, you know, the people that you think are your friends and your allies at the beginning, I think that maybe the reason for that is that, especially in the, would you call it the 
private sector. So, you know, mm. where that is profit driven. And yeah. yeah. Then, you know, maximum efficiency and maximum profit is obviously the priority. Yeah. So got this leeway for like well she's new and then when you're not new and you're not as good as somebody else would be in your position and not as good's a weird term anyway because people measure it in people are so like small-minded about what profitable means so in terms of things like the content of what you're doing or the quality of your conversations Mm -hmm. they literally want to see that you can they can measure you equaling money and it's so much more complex than that you know I remember in my last job in loads of my own complaints and so on paper it didn't look like I was putting as many orders through but actually I was saving the complaints department but people people don't that way you know we don't we don't fit into we don't fit into four walls in that way no you know I had the same experience play out over and over again. My my probation would be extended as much as possible until they would then let me go. And, yeah. and the sad thing is, is a lot of managers didn't always want to. You know, they looked sad. Some of them, were, half of them were horrible. But yeah. some of them were like, oh, I don't know how to help you. You're not making, you're not making the progress that you should be so I'm sorry see you later and the sad thing is is that you know access to work and places like that they're not clued up on the research that they should mm. nope. sometimes they come in and go so what do you reckon would um help you do this job that you've only just started uh, so you don't know your job <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm on this program now with this uh provider called Maximus UK. Um, I'm on this thing called the IPES program. I think it's intensive personalized employment support. Um, and that's for my ADHD, which I got referred to through the job center. And my work coach has been an absolute blessing. Um, yeah. like with 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 the interview yesterday, literally I could just phone her and be like, look, I'm stressed, I'm in a crisis, this is happening, and she helped me, no problem. Um but yeah, I've never had that before and it's been really beneficial and they've been signing me up to interview skills courses and um, confidence boosting courses and courses on budgeting. And I went to those and they were really, really helpful. Um, there were a few things that I put on my feedback form, like they should probably cater to people who are neurodivergent and I hope they take that on board. But yeah. I'm, so. I'm really glad the disability work coaches because mm. out of all of the services that I've accessed in relation to my neurodivergence and I, I mean that loosely like mental health or you know GPs everything the best the best by far has been when when you're in you know when you're job seeking and you get granted a work coach that is the best service I've ever received they're incredible yeah. aren't they mm. yeah that's brilliant to hear. And I don't know if it's like the same in England because when I... From your work coach to a disability work coach. And they're really good. Yeah. I mean, that might not be the case for everyone. I should only talk... <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I can say the same. But yeah, it might not be the, exactly the same for everyone. Didn't know that. Hopefully I won't need it. But it's good to know for the future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what my insides with certain mental health conditions. And if you do, like, what conditions do you think are more 
more prominent and do you think more support is needed? Shall I go? You yeah. can go because I'm finding this really hard. Um, mm. So I think statistically there's direct, co- I don't know if the word direct correlation, but, you know, I don't know the stats, but you're X amount of times more likely to have depression. You're X amount of times more likely to be anxious. And um, mm. there's relations with bipolar um, and personality disorders and all sorts of things where those things are increased eating disorders mm. um and eating disorders I think is a really big one I I had um bulimia for 14 years um and it was only when I was on medication uh, ADHD medication that I realized that I was using my eating disorder as as a as a way of exerting energy yeah so mm get rid of the hyperactivity and I didn't even understand that so I think I mean I could be wrong here but I think you would be it would be a challenge to find somebody with significant ADHD that doesn't suffer with their mental health yeah I would I would say the same but I was I don't know if I'm wrong here I was always told that like mental health conditions were like a come is it comorbidity is that the word of of your like neurodivergent condition and so this is what I always tell people like when they're like but you have anxiety it's like yeah no I have anxiety because of that my ADHD Um, and people still don't seem to grasp it but um I know that there's always not always but there's sometimes an overlap between autism and, and ADHD as well um so there is that that's the only way I can really answer that question because I'm not I feel like Sophie answered it better than me oh, no, I, I'm gonna have to watch this back and be like did I say anything that's not true because I do that a lot I get carried away and that's why I've been using the word x because sometimes yeah. my brain just <laughs> <moves that>. mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you know what what you said there Lou about how it's a comorbidity that is that is absolutely true what's mm. really I think that there's ADHD anxiety and depression which mm. is connection to your um being overstimulated emotional dysregulation um all of the things uh being uh what's the word you know when you go into like a paralysis like an ADHD paralysis I call that task paralysis or chronic overwhelm yeah, so the, the, those are obviously completely interlinked with mental health. Yeah. Then I think you've got consequential mental health issues where yeah. that they, so I think there's lots of things going on at the same time. I think you have neurodivergent mental health, which is always going to be um, tested, but then then it has its consequence on your general mental health. So you experience yeah. at the same time, which is why it's really hard. what you feel people because you're feeling you know multiple types of anxiety at the same time yeah and like especially for me because my life has been like a slow decline lately so I have one thing after another so I've already got the neurodivergent neurodivergent mental health aspects of it and then I've got the the conditional ones because thing after thing has just happened (laughs) and trigger conditions that become entirely independent of it because if you keep living in that state of fight or flight for so long it can trigger you into having an entirely separate condition that you've got to deal with at the same time yeah you know 
how I had the eating disorder then. And it took on, takes on a mind of its own, doesn't it, at a certain point? Yeah. It is uncontrollable. Yeah. No, I completely yeah. agree. I, I, Yeah, they do. It is because of this. It's not just, there isn't a reason, like for years, literally only until a couple of years ago, and I know it's autism and it's not ADHD, but like until two years ago, I thought, uh i was uh like low mood because of the autism not like oh no you actually have clinical depression because of the autism or and you're anxious because of the autism you got clinical uh, anxiety rather than like it's just because of that that makes sense so mm. it must be so hard to set like to work out what's what and how to separate it all from each other oh definitely yeah especially we've got like multiple things going on all at once just like <laughs> can't cope with it it's enough for like five people <laughs> ten people let alone one person <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say are your proudest moments and biggest achievements and what positives does ADHD? i know you're not officially diagnosed but for the purpose of this Lou, you're officially diagnosed <laughs> contribute to your life <laughs> you're all gonna diagnose me instead thanks yeah. <laughs> passing university oh actually getting out of school because there were many many years where I just thought I wasn't going to make it past a certain age um and then I did and I was like huh what do I do with this now and then I went to university and I was like "Mm, no I'm not gonna make it past this either and then I did and then I was like "Hmm, what am I gonna do with this now um and then um I lived and worked um and I lived in a house on my own for a year and the only reason I'm not there now is because of personal life circumstances um and and if it wasn't that the case then I would have been there for like another year so just living on my own and like just surviving um and like also just taking care of myself going back to therapy there's loads of them really um getting out of abusive relationships um yeah um and also just in finding more things that I enjoyed because until I moved away I didn't really go into my art as much and then I start. I joined an art group that was like down the road from me, and now I'm obsessed with it. And I, I've gotten so much better at it. And 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 it's the thing that people compliment me on the most now. So, yeah, that's brilliant. And you've achieved a lot of great things. What about you, Sophie? Really cool what you said there, Lou, about joining an art group and things. Because when you first introduced yourself and said about how you know the different things that you do creatively, it's like mm-hmm. I don't know what I can do Mm. Um, and I think that's where you really get how to cope with it is Mm. through developing those things because most of us are going to be creative in some way yeah Um, I think it's that thing as well about um that a lot of us will have is not being very good at something initially and how we don't like that very much (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that I'm like it so it's like going and joining a group and then just pushing through the not being very good and like you mm. said made me think you know just do it because without the creative stuff it's just gets too much yeah. just, um, I found sorry I found it really hard in the beginning because like these women that were in the group were really really professional artists and so I was doing stuff and 
she wasn't criticizing me as much like the girl the woman in charge but she was like you could do this and that would make it better and I was always there like in my head like "Mm, I wish she wouldn't put her input in um because this is stressing me out and that's like the rejection sensitivity of dysphoria but then in the end it turned into an absolutely wonderful piece so I ended up being really grateful for it in the end so just pushing through the RSD and, uh, and and it just turns it into something of a more positive experience. Once we get into hyper focus, we can't let it go. Then can yeah. we? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was Tell sorry. Me. Was there a second part to the question? I forgot. That's to a question. Sorry, I, I know I'm all see. I'm I'm all for putting like two parts to questions, so I want to make it like simple. But it's just yeah, just verbal diary. <laughs> So what <laughs> positives do you think your ADHD contributes to your lives? Oh, um, you go. Okay. Um, I think it's allowed me to be the most understanding person I know. Um, because all of my friends seem to come to me when they have a problem because they know I'm going to approach them with curiosity and not judgment. Because I... I I just get told that I'm so nice and I sound like I'm tooting my own horn here. But <laughs> it's just I do to me. um I'm also just I've been I've been told that I kind of light up a room, so I always bring fun and energy, even when I'm feeling like pretty low energy, I can say something funny and it sets people off. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's a po- those are the positives I would say. Shall I go? <laughs> yeah, so, please go. And <laughs> um, when when you asked the question before about what you're most proud of, I, I was just to say, uh, really, it's it's being able to do a day. Not, I mean, six out of seven, probably not. But but the day that I am able to complete in an adult way, where I'm like clean and the house isn't a shit tip and I've like got back to a few people or you know whatever it might be I go to bed at night and I've actually done those things and like I've eaten normally and I've not done anything to piss anybody off I'm like oh my god like I never ever ever thought I could live a day like that like ever and like that's what I'm most proud of that like I'm that I, that I actually can get my shit together yeah. really soon in my own way obviously mm. and um I can't I've forgotten the second part of the question okay. <laughs> positive Sophie the, the positives oh right yeah so um positives of my ADHD I think it's similar to you really that like I can't help but be I'm, I'm just gonna say it. I can't help but be Sorry. funny no you don't want to call yourself funny but I'm gonna You're so funny <laughs> <Most> <laughs> And I'm I'm sorry to swear. Um, I am proud of like the fact that people would consider me someone that can lift them up in the same way that that you said, mm-hmm. and that like that even when we're miserable, we're still joyful, even though that sounds cheesy. Yeah. And like I think that that's a massive positive, and I don't think I'd be like that. Developed it as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also think we're very in touch with our emotions as well. Like I, I've got to a point where I'm just not not ashamed to cry in front of people. Like in the past few months, I've just had breakdown after breakdown in front of my friends. And I'm just like, I don't even care. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> that's, 
and I think that makes people feel really safe doesn't yeah. it yeah like being I mean I'm not so good with the I, I can explain my emotion I'm not so good with the showing it mm. um, but I think that just the fact that I say so you know that thing where you said that the the manager said how how are you and you always actually answer with the mm-hmm. truth like I'm going to answer with the truth and in a weird way that is one of my best qualities even though people would consider it their favorite thing about me and their least favorite thing yeah (laughs) because people want the truth when they want it exactly (laughs) still think it's the best way to be no I think they're both lovely uh positive contributions and like brilliant like again it's about it doesn't need to be big for it to be an achievement like like you said Sophie if you make it through the day and that you've done x y and z like that you need to do you've eaten normally then that's an achievement and you should be celebrated you should like give yourself a pat on the back for doing that like I think my Maslow's hierarchy of needs upside down (laughs) 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 one at the top is like just the basic the basic needs (laughs) we do everything backwards I know every time I make something like crochet wise it's wonky and I'm like that's just how I am I do everything wonky that's cute (laughs) we always want to start from the problem and work our way backwards (laughs) yeah that's good to be one one final question like what are both of your wishes for the future and do you think anything needs to change in a i'm just gonna go let's go big possible and why does in society to help support you both and other people with disabilities I would like to be diagnosed in the future. I would. <laughs> um, and I'd also like to be in a job where they're accommodating to my disability. Um, so, and and then I'd like, this is the thing, I've gone through so many years of, and I think it's, it, it's a, a thing within people with ADHD of feeling unstable. I really, really, at this point in my life, I know I'm really young, I'm only 20, I'm going to be 25 in February, but... I just want the stability now because I've been through so much trauma and I've been through all of these experiences and I've had to flip from one place to another and one experience to another. And I just want to be stable. Um, And I think that the workplaces need to make things more accommodating for people and there needs to be more jobs on offer in, in society that are catered to neurodivergent people um and more accepting because I've been me and Sophie obviously have been through so many different jobs and the like people find it really weird that you've been through so many jobs because they assume that you don't want to stick around and it it's they don't want to listen to the fact that it hasn't been your fault so yeah just being more accommodating in workplaces and and also in in health support and everything that's a brilliant answer. I completely agree with that. What about you, Sophie? I'm just going to try and remember the question. I'm joking. I, have I remembered it? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, I completely agree with everything that Lou said. And, you know, when you, I think the question was, what would I like to see for me and then for ADHD? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have like much expectation for my future apart from what you've said there about stability so it's like I would give up so much 
for stability. You know, like even if you were yeah. to say to me, never gonna achieve any of your ambitions and I could get given stability on a play, I would give it up for that. Yeah. And yeah. and it's the same with when you said there about jobs and inclusivity and, and maybe just a point in time where we can stop explain people say they're tired of us talking about our disabilities. We're tired of that too. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. I would would like to see a day when we don't have to do that anymore. Because people already know that would be nice. And I just like to remind, you know, certain ableist, neurotypical people that we don't love the sound of our own voice talking about this stuff. We would love to just get on with our lives, but we can't. So mm. that's where I would leave it there. <laughs> yeah. I had something in my head I was going to say then, and I completely forgot. <laughs> it. But yeah, I think... Um, I think that things are moving slowly in the right direction um, and, you know, things are slowly getting better and that's the main thing. I remembered what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's, I know, who have been like, oh, you're so young, you should like go travelling and go and do all these opportunities. You have nothing tying you down here. Um, and I, there was a point where I was going to move to Edinburgh to to do a master's in something completely different, and I got rejected from that. And you know what? It is kind of a relief, even though I'm in the the really crap situation I'm in right now, because that would have been a whole completely different period of adjusting to things, um, being completely out of my depth, um, and with even less stability as to whether I was going to pass the course or not. Um, so it's kind of a blessing in disguise, really. And and everyone's like, oh, you should go around and do traveling when you're young. Well, yeah, you should. But also you should be entitled to that stability that you crave so badly. So Yeah, it's the same reason I haven't been traveling either. And mm. uh, these are perfect examples that the GP should look at or, you know, the assessor is in, well, this is a classic candidate that would do something like that. Mm. So why haven't they? And that's the thing. I think when when you you ask the question about what what I would like it to look like in the future, I would like it to look like a world where we have the option to do what we want and not what we we do. Mm. You know, uh, where where we could go and go off yeah. and do different things, but really, even you know, I've been dedicating the last few years of my life to just trying to establish a basic routine that would. Um, like adhere to my baseline needs and I'm still going and I'm nowhere near there yet and that might take up the time where I could have achieved things in a career or creatively but we have to do that first don't we and that's why it's the same with you now where you're at now we have to just give it all up and start from the bottom mm. very true yeah. completely agree yeah. you can say it better myself like Things, like you said, things are moving slowly, but it's not quick enough. Uh, like there needs to be a point where you shouldn't have to be constantly fighting for diagnosis, for access needs in work, for just being human, really, on some level. Like literally, just like trying to just you have to justify yourself at every turn when it should just be the norm that. If you're ADHD, then you need this, then you should get it rather than like months and months on end of like mm. doing different things just to get it. And like with any disability, 
So fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully it gets better. Yeah. Um, we'll keep shouting and shouting until somebody listens. <laughs> we will. Um, there's also, if anyone, um, like any other women out there, want support or, or anything or just like to be understood, there's a podcast and I actually went to a meetup because um, they did a tour like at some point this year or last year um they're called adhd af and they only wanted that name to be able to say that but they're called adhd as females um and there's uh two women laura and dawn um they're really really good they i think they've been doing their podcast since the pandemic started um and they're really nice people. I've met them both um because they did a, a meetup in Cardiff. And yeah, so if anyone wants to listen to more stuff about ADHD and women, I recommend the podcast. It's really I'll good. De- definitely listen to that. <laughs> I'll definitely link to it and definitely listen to it too, because it's fascinating to me. So that's it. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining. You've been excellent. You've been brilliant. Excellent. Who calls people excellent? Sorry. <laughs> you do. Apparently I do, because I'm a 19th century aristocrat. Um, <laughs> let's try that again, because I've completely lost myself. <laughs> Thank you very much, both of you, for going on the podcast. You've been absolutely amazing. Um, Sophie, I know you do brilliant work with Girls Interrupted, so where can they find you and the work that you do? Yeah, um, Girls Into It's Instagram. Um, I do a joint um, page on dyspraxia in women with the amazing Laura. Um, and so, yeah, that would be at girls.interrupting. Um, and I also have a like a humorous uh, a TikTok account where I just talk about neurodivergent scenarios. And that is um, it's called Neurodivergent Divas. So you can find <laughs> on there <laughs> i'm gonna go follow you in a bit i think i'm not sure if i do but i definitely will if i don't because that sounds hilarious didn't know you did that and Lou, uh, if people want to follow my creative endeavors it's um at, on instagram it's at lou not creative n-o-t-t um and i've got videos of me performing poetry at open mics and pieces of artwork on there so it's a mix of writing and art but yeah if people want to check it out it's there amazing i will not remember it so i'm gonna have to message you after that's okay (laughs) i've just got one final thing to say just remember i know it's difficult times but if you're out there listening and you're struggling you think you might have a disability uh just try and do what you can like fight as much as you can to get a diagnosis if you do have a disability then just remember just because you have a disability it doesn't mean you have to be limited uh by it and that you can achieve your hopes and goals and that you can go beyond your disability and i hope you have an amazing that's okay i've literally finished now (laughs) 